Hello, Charlie Gladstone here, and welcome to my Some Good Mavericks podcast and edition two of my coronavirus special. Is that a thing? Called Love in the Time of Coronavirus. The idea here is fairly simple. I wrote to a number of friends and people that I know well, and I asked them three simple questions and asked them just to ruminate a little bit on those questions, to record their answers on any sort of device they had, and to send them back to me. Those questions are pretty straightforward. They're, where are you and who are you with? What good do you think will come out of this mess? And please tell me something really good you've discovered or found again or started doing during this strange time. As I pointed out when I first did it, I was planning to edit it down to a nice punchy series of conversations. But actually, what I found when I listened to the recordings that people made was that they were very gentle and very slow and and very considered, perhaps in a way that they might not even have been a few weeks ago, where everyone was rushing around and things were definitely different. So I've decided just to let you listen to them pretty much as they were sent to me, because I think then that you'll hear the voice of the person speaking more truthfully. And so I've christened this a slow cast or a slow pod. I haven't quite made up my mind yet. And it's about taking a little bit of time to listen to what other people think at the moment and see if those thoughts spark something in you or maybe chime with you. First up is Giles Andre today. Giles is a massively successful children's author. His most famous book is Giraffes Can't Dance, which I think has sold something extraordinary like 7 million copies. And he's created characters including Purple Ronnie and Edward Monckton. Uh, So he's a poet, illustrator, author, and always someone who brings a lovely, fresh approach to everything that he does. Giles has got a new children's book coming out in May called Elephant Me, and these are his thoughts. This is Giles Andre, and I'm in our home near Oxford with my wife and three of our children aged 22 down to 14. What good do I think will come out of this? Well, I think it's very hard to talk in general terms about good coming out of it when there is so much current day-to-day devastation uh, with, you know, the appalling job losses and uh, businesses in such hardship and families in such difficulty as well. I have to say, with um, with three children who, uh, although we're having a, a great time with and engaging with, perhaps more than we ever have, I do feel very lucky that they are old enough to, to largely entertain themselves when they need to. I think it must be incredibly different for parents, particularly if both parents are working um, and they have much younger children. I think that must be pretty, uh, pretty trying, uh, much as we adore young children ourselves. But looking back, if one were to look back, perhaps two or three years hence, I hope that... Um, I think there's something very powerful about so many of us, the entire world really, going through a single shared experience, particularly an experience um, of hardship. And I think when that does happen, it brings us all much closer together with shared goals. And we do, I think we do feel like a sort of large extended 
global family when we've got the same aims. We have such sort of disparate aims and requirements and goals uh, generally during normal life. So I think all having this one experience is going to be very unifying. Um, I think also it's hard to know how things are going to play out when it ends and whether whether we're going to be released from this very quickly or I think as is probably more likely in sort of incremental stages. But I hope and think there could be a real sort of outpouring of joy um, propagated by this sort of feeling of connectedness to one another. And I think once we are allowed out into the streets together, once we're allowed to hug one another again, I think strangers will be kinder to strangers. I think it won't be so peculiar to smile at people we don't know. Um, I think and hope there will be a real general outpouring of joy and an understanding of how lucky we all are to be to be connected really in, in this sort of in, in humanness. Tell me something really good you've started doing. Well, I think one thing that probably a lot of families are experiencing is that those of us who are lucky enough to have some time on our hands, I think, are finding ways of entertaining ourselves that aren't just the default of TV and screens and Netflix. I think, you know, they are often a reasonable sort of excuse when we're knackered and don't have much time. It is easy and often forgivable just to slump down in front of a screen. But now we have more time. I think more and more of us are discovering hobbies uh, and creativity. I've always been a great fan of doing things that that I'm not necessarily very good at just for the pleasure of it. I think, you know, that the way we think these days very often is if you do something, you've got to be really good at it. Uh, often you have to be competitive. Um, I think just doing things for the sake of doing things, for getting lost in the pleasure of doing things, uh, it is wonderful. Just discovering flow, getting, getting lost in, in creativity, uh, just for creativity's sake. And I think and hope a lot of people are rediscovering hobbies. And I'm learning to do one or two things that I really haven't considered doing before. G given that I'm a writer, I spend a lot of time sitting down at my desk, looking at a screen and, and thinking pretty hard. It's a very unmanual job, about as unmanual as you could imagine. Um, so I've started doing more manual things. I'm doing more in the garden. Um, and in fact, <laughs> yesterday, if you want a single answer to this question, uh, I decided to re-roof a shed we've got in the garden with my son. I've never, you know, been on top of a shed before. I've never touched a roof before. Um, and I just thought, how hard can it be? <laughs> Looked up a little video about it. And a day or two later, we were up on the shed yesterday, in fact, in the glorious sunshine pulling up shed felt and nails and um, uh, and recladding it. And I have to say, um, although it's a very lucky thing to be able to say, uh, it was one of the most enjoyable things I've done for a very long time, simply because it was new. And I've always been an advocate of just doing new things, trying new things, because it is so interesting. Um, and in my case, yeah, roofing a shed was about as much fun <laughs> as I've had in a long, long time. 
Next up is Rob Poynton. Rob and I spoke for a main edition of my Some Good Mavericks podcast that many of you may have heard. It was edition 53, and that came out the other day. But here are his thoughts on the way things are at the moment. Hi, this is Robert Poynton. Um, I'm in Oxford, uh, just north of Jericho in Walton Manor, near Port Meadow, a huge open space, and I'm here with my wife, and my three sons, Bruno, who's 23, Matteo, who's 21, and Pablo, who's 18. And uh, we came over from Spain just before the confinement started. Um, and we're all here together in our house here in Oxford, which is a pretty decent place to be as these things go. In terms of what good will come out of it, I think it's too early to say. Um, but I do think it's extraordinary to contemplate what will happen with pretty much everybody on the planet thinking about the same thing and devoting their attention to the same thing. So I think it's very early days, but I think that if we want to transform a society, some kind of shock was probably necessary. And I'm hoping that out of this, we could move perhaps from a, an exploitative economy based on domination uh, towards a regenerative one. Um, and that this little episode, that won't get us there, but it might shake us up enough that we start really thinking about it seriously. Uh, as well as that, I think just the opportunity to slow down, be with people in a different way, be with oneself in a different way, personally, I found kind of really interesting and stimulating. And something I've started doing, I've started running again for the first time for ages. Um, and my body's complaining somewhat and I'm not running very far. But um, I'm finding it a really, really not fun, uh, but really powerful, actually, because, I mean, I'm very active anyway, and I walk a lot, I walk a long way, but there's a difference getting your body into that kind of deep oxygen debt. So I'm really quite enjoying the pain, if that doesn't sound perverse. Um, and for me, it's been a weird time in that uh, I just wrote this book about pausing, and here is the whole world pausing. So if anybody's interested in my thoughts on that, I'm writing about it online, um, uh, in various places, Medium, LinkedIn, stuff like that. I gave a do lecture about it on uh, Saturday, which is yet to go up, but it was the first ever do lecture live, so it will go up before too long. And the book, yeah, Do Pause, in some ways is um, anticipating this need to actually stop and slow down and think and rethink things. So you can find that at the Do Book Co uh, on their website. Thank you very much to Rob. Now, when I was speaking on the first one, I was talking about albums that take a time to get into, long albums. And I talked about Sandinista, which might just be the best album that The Clash made, despite being a triple album. And in many ways, despite being reviled for being a triple album and seen as indulgent. And it struck me there are two other quite long albums that I think are monumental and in some ways not the most accessible works but would be definitely worth your time. Now the first is Bitches Brew by Miles Davis. It took me a long time to come to this record and to really understand it. It was the moment in 1970 when he broke away from traditional jazz structures and he was brave enough to open the album with a song that lasted 20 minutes and covered the whole of the first side. Give it time, just listen to it, let it wash over you, go with it. 
I think it's a wonderful record. It's cited as an absolute classic by lots of people. As I say, it took me quite a time to find my way into it. But I'd highly recommend listening to that and, of course, listening to it properly and in order. And then the other great long album is only a double album, but, but that's Prince's Sign of the Times, which I'm certain is his best album, although I don't think it's regarded as his best album. That's got a lot of jazz to it as well. And again, I think it merits being listened to in order in the way that he recorded it. It was really recorded at the peak of his imperial phase, which lasted for a few albums. It's my favorite album by Prince. It's actually one of my favorite albums of all time. And Caroline and I were lucky enough to see him when he played that record on tour at that time. And it still sticks in our memories as one of the finest shows that we've ever had. So there are a couple of long, slow albums that you might like to consider. Finally today, I have the thoughts of Mark Shaler. Mark is a person that will be known to many of you through his work with The Good Life Experience, where he curates Reasons to be Cheerful on Friday, which is a series of conversations with people who are doing things that, I guess, just make him cheerful. He's also a founder member of the Do Lectures. He's a public speaker. He is an author of two Do books, including, most presently, Do Present, which came out literally last Friday. We're now on the 7th of April, so I guess that makes it on the 4th of April. These are Mark's thoughts on what's going on at the moment. Hello, it's Mark Shaler here. Um, where am I and who am I with? I am laying on my bed. It's 6.15 in the evening. The sun is... It's not gone, but it's thinking about it. The birds tweeting, twittering, twattering. And um, I'm laying with my wife, Nicola. And we've been in the garden pretty much all afternoon, mowing the lawn and inoculating wood with <laughs> mushrooms. I know, it's been one of those really odd <coughs> odd days, actually. Um, but in the bigger picture, we're, we're all in one house. There's eight of us, so we've got four kids, um, us two, um, my eldest daughter's husband Tom and their baby um, Junie so it was a big old house and the lockdown uh, started for us three weeks ago we've been self-isolating for three weeks apart from one walk a day or one bike ride a day um, and it's joyous in a way because because we're all together I my heart goes out to those that are self-isolating in an isolated position who are on their own and that must be really difficult or worse self-isolating with someone that maybe isn't very nice so um yeah we're very lucky and we've got a big enough garden and enough warm and enough food for it to be perfectly manageable um what good do i think will come out of all this if any firstly on the most obvious one i think we're all enjoying having time with our families, those of us that are with our families. And and secondly, I'm going to run out of numbers, so I'll just say next. Next, um, the slowness of it all, actually. I read a really, or I heard a really interesting conversation with Steve and Fry about enjoying the real slow passage of time. And we're always, well, I am always in such a rush to get on to the next thing. I'm impatient for the coffee to 
drip through the mocker master so that I could bring it upstairs and wake my wife up with it in the morning and then get showered and then get out. And I'm really enjoying watching the mocker master drip coffee now or drip water into the coffee. And I'm just sat watching two pigeons actually out the window and one of them's more amorous than the other one, but I've got a feeling they're going to get it on anyway. And normally I'd note it and then go and do something else, but I'm not, I'm, I'm intrigued. It's like, it's like EastEnders kicking off in the tree outside your bedroom window, but with a little less fighting. So those are two things that are good that have come out of it. I think from, well, I'll talk about the third one and the last, in the last question really, but I think nothing's going to go back to normal whilst we might all be circulating and working again at some point. I, I don't think it's going to return to normal. I think, I think we'll realise that we can do without a lot of what we'd, we'd built business on or we'd built our culture on. So rushing around, travelling around the world, big conferences, big exhibitions. I, I think the days of those things are numbered. And I suspect they were anyway, actually. I suspect we were already moving towards virtualization of those things. And I think this has probably given... Now, there's two pairs of pigeons in that tree. Um, given it a bit of a kick and, and a bit of a, a bit of a spin on the waltzers, just speeded it up a little bit. So I don't think those things are going to go back to normal, but I think we'll crave, we'll, we'll, we'll absolutely crave human connection. So I suspect that something better will take, take its place. I think smaller, more intimate events, I think more of them. Um, I think less of the big kind of massive events, um, I think everything else, like the kind of innovation side of what I do anyway, will continue. I think the sustainability side will be interesting because that's the other sort of good thing that's come out of this is as the world has slowed, I mean, I can't hear the M42 from my garden as much as I used to. Um, and the, the canals of Venice have cleared. And you see, you see less, or there is reportedly less pollution. And all of those things clearly are really good. Um, but we'll see an economic downturn as well. Um, and maybe that's that was what was needed in a way. Maybe, I mean, certainly in terms of house prices, maybe that correction was due anyway. Maybe everything that's going to happen was due anyway. It's just been brought forward by, um, by, by, by COVID and by, by a change in our, in our working patterns. Um, and I'm hoping that people will be a little bit more thoughtful and kind not knowing what else is going on. We, we see intolerance already, actually. Intolerance of, of, well, we see greed in the shops and we see shaming of people who dare go out for a walk or a, or a, or a bike ride, even though they're abiding by, by the guidance. Um, and we see... Oh, it's interesting, isn't it? Almost a shaming. It's funny. It's a very odd, odd way. It's all done for fear, isn't it? Now, fundamentally, people are scared for themselves, and they're, and they're, and they're projecting that fear onto onto the behaviour of of others. Um, what have I started or re reimagined um, or re rekindled? The most obvious one is one of one of the first things I did when when this started. Um, was I, well, I did two things. I, I kind of reached out to my community on, on Instagram, knowing full well that the self-employed would be hit really hard really early and set up something called Monday Communion, which is just a, a, a set of conversations on a Monday, one at nine o'clock, 
in the morning and one at um, five o'clock in the afternoon so it accommodates different time zones and you just get a zoom link and we all jump on and I had 200 people express an interest and maybe only 50 people turn up for the first week and that'll dwindle but but that doesn't matter the the hour and a half we spend in those in, the, in those calls is really welcomed by people the feedback and the and the messages I get afterwards range from that was brilliant thank you I'd not spoken to anybody else for 24 hours to um I'm going to ditch all my friends because I'm meeting much more interesting people on these communions than I know in real life this is real life so that's been really good um I don't know whether I'll carry that on afterwards though it's a lot of work and then the second thing was I had a partial habit of doing qigong I've been doing qigong for 10 years on and off more off than on and I, I use a guy called Lee Holden on the interweb and, and I just follow his 20-minute morning routine. And um, <coughs> I started doing that again. And then I put it on, I put the camera on on Instagram and did it as an Instagram live. And lo and behold, I don't know, about 12 people joined me and the next day a few more and, and now it's more than that. And people really like it. And, and I think they, well, they tell me they like it for lots of reasons. Firstly... They like the fact that they've got a pattern to their day. The eight o'clock start is really useful for them. There's something to get up for. Number two, they like the stretch and the and the movement. When you watch a dog wake up in the morning or a cat, the first thing it does is stretch. Whereas the first thing we do is reach for our black mirrors and check our messages. Then I think we the dogs probably got it right. And then the third thing that they like is the is the kind of like the movement and the look and the the articulation of, of, of head and shoulders and moving in areas that we don't normally move often. And then there's a little bit of woo-woo in it as well, which I kind of enjoy, um, the kind of chi side of things. And I had a little bit of tapping at the end and um, a little bit of positive affirmation. And um, people seem to really like that. So I think I'll carry that on. And I don't mind if no one's on the other end of the of the camera it doesn't matter to me but that's <coughs> excuse me <coughs> that's that's what i've kind of started to do again and really enjoyed that they're the, they're the main things and so that's it for today i will be back with more tomorrow thank you very much for joining me thank you to giles and rob and mark and thanks to my friend jim friend for editing this so quickly see you soon thanks bye